All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. How's it going? Hey, you know, if it's, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm recording this the day before. So uh, Thursday, if there's still time, as there is, call your senators. Call your senators. Email them. Do whatever you need to do to voice your disapproval of rushing this heinous, murderous health care repeal bill through Congress, through the Senate. Do it. You don't want to see your neighbors die because they can't uh, get health insurance or they lose the stuff they got. You just want to watch your neighbors and coworkers and friends or people that work for you or people you know just all of a sudden lose all hope because it's pulled out from under them for what reason for what reason this is america we should be the best not the fucking most embarrassing shit show circus on the planet if anybody's feeling extraordinarily uh, excited and proud of what we're going through as a country right now i don't know man i don't know what's up with you I really don't. I know you probably don't like me, but man, man, where's your humanity? Where's your fucking class? Where's your dignity? Where's your national pride? What a fucking shit show. You just don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next, and you don't know when it's going to be all over because all of a sudden it's not about the country anymore. It's just about protecting a narcissistic spiteful lunatic who wants who does not give shit number one about the united states of america zero shits he gives all about himself you guys just keep being proud to protect him yeah yeah that's good that's what that what's america all about oh protecting a lunatic from himself great yeah what a vision for the future. How's it going? Are you all right? We got a big show today. I'm not going to ramble on too much. I thought I'd just get, you know, give a chipper little nudge to stay active. And anybody who thinks it's not that it's a liberal or conservative issue, healthcare, you're you're out of your mind. You think this is some sort of wrestling show that ends in the apocalypse. Yeah. The world's greatest heel, the last great heel. <laughs> yeah i can't i'm I now like i see like right there you felt that pause fell right and down fell right down the the ditch right down the rabbit hole of of horrendous darkness it's always right there it's like hovering beside you now what's that next to you oh that is uh that's uh, i thought that was an invisible tunnel to hell no 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 it's not we're all going through it we're all it's all the yeah all of us the entire world being sucked through a selfish tunnel to hell. Hey, but if you're proud and excited, Godspeed. If you're terrified and angry, speak up. Make those phone calls. Hit those streets. God damn. All right. On a lighter note, I uh, got an email here. Uh, subject line, you just got better without trying. 
Mark, a few days ago, I had a three-hour drive up north to run the San Francisco Marathon. I had a few unlistened two episodes of WTF on deck, but I wanted to save those for the marathon and decided to try another top-rated podcast through iTunes. It sucked. Tried another. It was boring. Tried a third. The guy was being overly dramatic for the subject matter. I've listened to most of your 800-plus episodes while running, and they helped the miles slip past. I've been growing concerned that you might hang it up soon because you're sounding a bit over it if you stop i may quit running and get fat that's on your shoulders thanks for all of your effort soren i'm not over the podcast i'm a bit over almost everything pal i'm just trying to get by like the rest of us. but no yeah i'm not gonna let you get fat pal and i wish i could apply that to me listening to podcast thing to uh to me getting out and running i'm exercising i'm not running enough but what you know what who who cares? Big show today. Can't ramble on too long. Got two guests. Got a shorty and a longie. Got Joe Mandy coming up, who I love. Joe Mandy, the very funny comedian. And then David Allen Greer, one of the funniest people alive, coming up. Joe Mandy has been on this show before, and he's a very funny guy, a very bright guy. I was happy that he came over. I like talking to Joe. Uh, he has a new stand-up special called Joe Mandy's Award-Winning Stand-Up Special that is now streaming on Netflix. And he stopped by here. He stopped by the garage to chat a little bit. This is me and the uh, the sharp and funny Joe Mandy. It's no place good, Joe. No. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing great. That's what I'm dealing with right now. It's Me too. Like, I, it's, I, a, it's the the it's a hellscape everywhere, but like my it's immediate a, surroundings. It's yeah, like, very. But you know, a little. It's probably a little. The the perimeter is probably bigger than just immediate surroundings. Yeah. But but if you are engaged and you are paying attention, uh, you 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 feel a little shitty about having a, uh, feeling okay about yourself. Yeah, yeah. But I always had that in my head though. Like I, I I've talked about that a bit on stage where. There's always been part of me, no matter how good things are, mm-hmm. which ha- they haven't been this good for me personally ever. Uh-huh. But there's always part of me that wants to be like, nah, but it's still kind of fucked. Right. But now it's like, it is. You know, it's not, I'm not making it up. No. It, it's kind of fucked. No, it's super fucked. Yeah. It's, it's like cartoonish. Scary. How evil yeah thing. so it's like it's like this is hack like if if someone pitched some of this stuff i mean yeah. this is too this is too much but what are you what have you been up to you coming over on a saturday i assume you're writing somewhere yeah i'm writing on a show called the good place right now um it, on nbc oh wait what who's in that that's kristen bell and ted danson are oh, the right two stars yeah ted danson is a part of my daily life which is which is <laughs> cool it's the coolest but, is he a good uh, guy he's yeah he really is yeah, yeah. It was a it was a relief. You that's the type of person you just hope when you don't know, right? Yeah, you really don't. But he's like, he's a person. His like reputation precedes him, and right? Like you just like okay, well we'll see, and then it's, it's all true. He's it's, the, it's, he's the coolest. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's so uh, it's so bizarrely disappointing to uh, to identify with or know somebody your whole life on television. Yeah, and then they're just fucking monsters. <laughs> I know. It's a uh, it's the it's it's a very like particular <laughs> sadness that's hard you know because you know you don't want to like tell people about it you want people uh, to just like continue yeah. believing that well that's the weird thing that you learn in show business is that you know some people are uh you know it's a degree you, you know it's it's a sad thing about how connected everybody is because 
there is an element of like you know respecting somebody's work and then realizing they're an asshole. Mm-hmm. But you know, party is like no, I got to tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. you know? No, I yeah, I definitely right? have no trouble telling. Yeah, but no, now no, it's sort mean. of like oh fuck. Yeah. You, you got to fight the the urge to tell every the world. It's mostly like uh, it's like when you go home and you're hanging out with people from high school, right, right, or whatever. Right. And they're like, "What's going on?" So you know, so and so. Yeah, then you're like, "Yeah, he's cool." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, because it's like, what's the point of? I yeah. I have to be careful uh, with it because I've been I, I've been pretty diplomatic the last few years. Mm-hmm. But now that like I feel okay about myself, that's when I I start to to say the I start throwing people under right, the bus. Right, right, right. But not in a bad way, and not my friends necessarily. But like you learn in show business, it's sort of like just you know be nice, and, yeah. You know, say like yeah, that guy's pretty good. I and, wish I had that in me. I have a couple friends who you know can go. Like they'll be at a party where yeah. everyone is talking right. shit, and then yeah. you like go home, and you're like, "Oh, that person didn't say a single thing. They laughed and nodded, but made nothing. Shit, nothing, nothing." Yeah. Did. And then you like, "How do I trust uh, that guy?" I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta start talking shit about that. Yeah, guy. what's up with that yeah. dude? What's he gonna say? About, oh, what is it? Is this new special? Because I know you wanted me to do something for it, and I yeah. didn't, and I didn't, and I'm sorry. No, it's fine. No, I, I no, it was. It's what was the good. angle? What did you? What what makes it different? Because I know there was. A, it's not. It's not just a straight stand up special. It is. It? I mean, there's. It's an hour stand up. It's sort of bookended with this sketch stuff that I wrote. That oh yeah. Sort of the the premise of the sketch stuff is that I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to do perform like the perfect special. Yeah. So I'm getting the first part is like I'm getting advice from. You know. Uh, oh, okay, okay. So some from peers and from, heroes. Yes, and whatnot. exactly. And then, um, and then it's the special. And I'm trying. I'm. Bu- it's all building up to this award show called the American Humor Awards. And then when the special ends, then we shot. We actually shot the fake award show. And, it's a fake award show. Yeah, it's not a real thing. <laughs> I mean, it's it's super. We made it look like the Oscars mixed with like the Mark Twain Prize. Yeah, it's really stupid. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I reached out to you. I reached out to a couple people. It was, you know, and it was like the first time I've ever kind of ever felt like a yeah. producer doing anything because I was just like desperately yeah, just yeah. trying to like. Who'd you come, get? Uh, for, that, for that particular bit, it was uh, George Wallace and Bo Burnham are the two people giving wow, me advice. Wow, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, that, those are but that's outside the box. That's good. Yeah, then yeah. George was man. They're both they're both so funny in it. Yeah, it was like uh, George is something. Yeah, he really was. Is. He wearing his beret? Of course he was. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't always wear it. I don't know no. when that started happening. It's, I remember him pre beret. The main bit in the special, yeah, is that um, I'm performing my special for the like ca- the council of judges. Oh, of the for the, for, for the oh, award show. Okay. So like there are a few cutaways to these like very like prestigious looking judges so like they're like taking notes but that's 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 interesting so you know you made it you created a narrative outside of the stand-up right but it's not i hope you know from what from my perspective i didn't think it like was distracting well you're a great stand-up and you're a great joke writer and it's like one of those things where when i see you on conan or something Mm -hmm. i'm like this guy's so good but you know you definitely have you're a writer yeah and and how how's that struggle going i mean right now it's just sort of bipolar like i spend like six months or so writing yeah whatever and then we'll just spend the rest of the year like touring and now did you get married i did yeah how long ago was that a couple years ago really yeah i haven't talked to you that long in any way how's the marriage good yeah you have a kid no kid i mean we have two dogs we treat like children sure yeah 
And and uh, what does she do? She in show business? Uh, she is not. She works for the ASPCA. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you, does she do like uh, hands on stuff? Like- um, sometimes uh, she's mostly does like marketing and uh, for ASPCA. Yeah, and, like copywriting. Copy and and editing. they and what what is what do they what do they do exactly? Um, I mean they have a is lot it- of it. Seems like they have ta- they have. Uh, shelters in New York. Yeah, but they also have ta- these. They fund these task forces that uh-huh. break up like dog fighting rings and cock fighting rings. And, oh, really? Like, yeah, like w- you know those stories where you hear about like hoarders who have like twelve, 12 cats, cats tw- oh. or like like horses that are just you know I skeletons. Was, the hoarder, like, yeah, the ones where they find the cats in the garbage. Yeah, I mean, like, like, the, you know, just like the the bones, <laughs> right? And yeah, the, the and like the lady, pancakes. Yeah, yeah. And the lady's like, I wondered what right. happened. Right. I mean, that's sort of like it's mostly like when they. It's like usually bigger cases yeah. where like they have to bring in like they essentially have like a SWAT team on call to like for like people with fifty cats. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Oh my god. I all I know. I don't really. She, she's also like. Uh, she gets these phone calls that are like confidential, and then she can't tell me. But she'll be like, uh, "Top secret, animal yeah, something that... about is about to happen." I'm, yeah. It's, and it, does it break in the news? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, it's crazy. There's some shit going. There was down. a crazy thing a couple like a last year where she she had to go to North Carolina for a week because there were so many animals at this place that they raided that they had to like essentially rent out a airport hangar. And just like there was like hundreds of animals and of all just, different kinds, yeah. Until they could like figure out where to put them all. Just oh like, my god, all hands on deck, people flying in from all over the country to like ASPCA forces. Yeah, yeah. She was like cleaning out cat. Cages. <laughs> Got a suburban zoo issue. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, it's crazy. There's, there's a place in North Carolina where they have tigers. The tiger rescue. Oh really? Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's crazy. I went to a we went to a uh, ostrich farm in oh, yeah? Solvang recently. In Solvang? Yeah. Wow, just to visit? We were there for a wedding, but then, you know, we had a day to kill in Solvang. It's so like seeing dinosaurs. It really is. It's like <laughs> the lamest Jurassic Park. But they they are freaky, and they just eat food out of your hands. They're, they're giant birds. They're giant birds, and they run in a very funny fashion. It's, they're real dinosaurs. They are, yeah. It's wild. What are they? They are they farm them up there? I, I mean- meat? Don't really know. I mean, it like what else are you going to use it for? What would you have an ostrich farm for? People eat ostrich meat. Yeah, they were they really... were selling ostrich jerky, but they also had like ostrich eggs signed by Khloe Kardashian that was like in a glass case. So maybe oh, that's important. That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how's now? What's going on with the uh, with the Twitter feed? What were you doing? You were retweeting. Uh, you made know. a career out of retweeting things. Yeah. What was that? What was the angle on that again? Just corporate I, retweets. I did that for a while. What was that, it? What was it though? Them doing? I I used to have fun on um like nine eleven, like nine eleven corporate tweets. Oh was yeah, a, yeah, was fun. Yeah. Um, uh, gun gun manufacturers uh-huh. often tweet funny stuff on holidays. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now I'm just like I'm so deep into like Trump. Yeah. Like idiot yeah. universe that yeah. I I like. I feel filthy. Like I have, I, I've pulled out totally. Oh, I'm fully in. I can't. I can't. Do you fight with Nazis? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's very strange to just become completely desensitized to like seeing your face being shoved into a oven, an oven by a cartoon frog or whatever. So like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you are desensitized. Totally. One thousand. I did. It does nothing. <laughs> yeah. Was there a point where it did? I mean, it's 
it's it's when you it's uh, Dave Chappelle's uh, monologue when he hosted SNL yeah. is just like we have a internet troll as president like that's what it is and so like it's just trolling like I don't like it right. doesn't really affect me if it if it were I don't know if they if they were something else maybe it would affect me but I'm sort of desensitized to do that. you find that well let me ask you this because what happened with me and Twitter was that you know once he took office I was like I'm done I'm mm-hmm. done feeding this I don't want to fight. It it is taxing to me. Yeah, I'm not desensitized. Yeah, it's not so much I take it personally, but it's sort of like it takes up energy. It causes me aggravation because even if I'm being desensitized towards you know horror is one thing, but engaging in emotional fighting, like I'm the idea that you're going to win. No, yeah, I mean, like when I, you say like, am I fighting with Nazis? Not really. Like I'm, I don't really respond to people that oh, often. Yeah. Right. Like, I, it's mostly like. Uh, I'm. I. You'll will, tweet something out and you'll just I'll see it. Come make down. fun of something like Donald Trump Jr. says right. or whatever. Yeah, right. Seb Gorka or right. any of those people. Yeah. yeah, I haven't heard his name in a while. Um, but yeah, I just I was like, I'm not feeding this anymore. I feel you. I mean, like I, I, I feel better, dude. I have more time. That's great. Like, it, it, it's not. You know, I don't. I'm not great sitting with myself. Mm-hmm. But I, it's a nice to know that that uh, that that's still operative. I know. I mean, it's super unhealthy. It really is. And I'm like, I just vacillate between like just the darkest part of like Trump yeah. Twitter, and then like to get relief, I will then just read like NBA trade rumors, and that's like what makes me happy. It's like one of the few things in the world. So it's just like it's either basketball that makes me happy, or just like I'm just like going back and forth. But in the big picture, do you feel as an intelligent person who fights a good fight? Do you feel that that Twitter is doing anything good? No, I mean, well, the thing is, and the the, the not that it's like a noble fight because it's not stupid, but there is something to the fact that like this is the medium that the president has chosen to right. be his like his lifeline to right. his people. Right. So, so you got to you got to operate. You got to be dragged down to his level. That's, sort of, that's a unique thing. It's like we're all being dragged down we, to the president's level. It's crazy. Level. Yeah. Um. But I, you know, there are there are. I actually just recently. I paid some website like $12 to just delete all my old tweets from like anything older than like two years really? ago or something. Yeah. And they do that? Yeah. I don't know how, but it's just like, I was just like, I don't need a like permanent, I don't History. need like some, like whatever I was yelling at 10 right. years or right. 2010 to like haunt me later. Right. So yeah, just. Well, I think that it's interesting because sometimes I'll look at Twitter. I don't like, and occasionally I'll answer questions, but I primarily use it for promo now. Yeah. And, and like, I'll answer questions sometimes if I'm, um, but I used to be locked into it. Like, you know, you'd spend hours there, you know, and now I do think that it does good because sometimes I get, I learn things first there. Like, cause you're not, I'm not tapped into every news site. Right. And sometimes, sometimes someone will tweet something like, oh, fuck. Right. That happened. Yeah, and also I think that you know organizing. I think sometimes it's proactive and it helps. And it seems to me that the hashtag President Bannon actually got up Trump's ass. Seemed like it. it more, more the magazine cover. Oh, that was that was it. Hand. Yeah, I think yeah. That's that's how you get in. That's how you, you something that gets ratings. Yeah, it's like it's literally like whoever's on the cover of Time magazine. That'll is, do it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> He's a fucking child. Yeah, yeah. There's some big problems, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I really don't know. 
You know, it's never a dull moment. I've never like, I've never felt this like embarrassed before. I you know, know like I even know. when like I know and Bush was president, I didn't feel like I could like I would I could travel abroad and you know not feel like embarrassed. You, yeah, with Bush, you were sort of like I it, I, yeah, I I didn't I, I didn't yeah, do that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, right. But this guy, it's sort of like oh my god. Yeah. My favorite thing is to talk to people about like yeah, you hate Trump. Everyone hates Trump mm. in my world. Yeah. Um, but it's like I love finding out who's who's like the second person. You know, because some days for me is Jared Kushner. Like I obsess over Jared Kushner. He makes me crazy. Uh-huh. And then sometimes it's you know Jeff Sessions or whoever. But it's like Bannon, it's Bannon's, Bannon's yours. Yeah. yeah, you're a Bannon guy. I'm a Bannon guy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and like you know, I was a Bannon Stephen Miller guy, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. He seems Stephen Miller seems to have you know found his way you know up Jared's ass sure. somehow. Sure, this weird alignment between you know white supremacists and 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 uh, grandchildren of Holocaust yeah, survivors. Orthodox Jews. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I unbelievable. Don't, I don't know what's happening at that level. But uh, all right, so when's the special on? Uh, July twenty fifth. Okay. Yeah. And your dogs are good. Dogs are great. Wife is good. Yeah, you're happy with the special. I think so. Well, do you do you do you get that weird thing where you like you know like? But I'm a stand up, not a writer. <laughs> yes, I mean that's. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that I'm working through those issues in the in the special itself. Just good. Like the, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like totally. I, yeah. I mean, the money's good with writing. You're 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 in a good environment. Mm-hmm. You like the show you're on. You yeah. go pitch jokes, but in your heart, you're a stand up. Yes, and then there are times where like I'll be on the road for three weeks. Yeah, and I'm alone ordering like Domino's pizza and some off place. It's just like I should like go. I should be at my job. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Is this so, the quality of yeah, life right. I'm looking forward to? Right. I don't know. So I mean, I'm I'm still trying to figure out like the right balance. I definitely feel like I'm I'm sort of half of both or whatever well yeah but the you know you know in your heart and your mind that like no matter how bad it's going to get over there at the office i got wga health insurance uh, uh, you know yeah. i got a pretty steady paycheck as long as the show's on the right, air yeah. right that shit makes a difference yeah it does <laughs> totally yeah all right well it's good talking to you joe good talking to you All right, as I mentioned, Joe Mandy, that was Joe Mandy. His new stand-up special called Joe Mandy's Award-Winning Stand-Up Special is now streaming on Netflix. Go enjoy that. David Allen Greer. Wow, dag. He's been around for a long time, and he's always been fucking funny. Always been funny. From Living Color to the movies to being on Broadway to being on the radio to the Carmichael Show. to I mean, he just, yeah, he's been around a long time too, man. And we don't really know each other. We might have met, I think we met once, but I was excited to talk to him. He has a new show on GSN called Snap Decisions. It premieres Monday, August 7th. The series finale of The Carmichael Show airs August 9th on NBC. I do want to make clear that when I talked to him, I did not know that the show had been canceled. And he he told me after. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I was sad to hear that. I liked it. But we talked about everything. I you know, There's a lot of stuff, you know, he... He had quite a life and he was, uh, you know, he wanted to be an actor and he's a great actor, but he's also one of the funniest guys around. This is me and David Allen Greer talking here in the garage. You know, if Trump wanted to play by the same rules as Obama. Well, what are the rules? 
we get final cut. They don't get to ah, vet right, questions. Okay. Right, they, yeah. you know, like I mean, he's pretty good like that. I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure what I would do with him or what point it would serve because I, I just think you'd have to just turn the thing on and just. I know, but that, what are you going to get? You know what? You know what? Trump, just him. I know, but he gives that all the time, and it's all yes, bullshit. True. And you know, that's it's true. like, you know, what if that's if true. I I can get to the core of it? I mean, I grew up with a narcissistic dad. I know what's in there. <laughs> I know it's at the core of that personality. Yeah, my a whole dad, lot of my fuck dad you. Was a, uh, psychiatrist. Oh, really? Yeah. So, <laughs> so what? What do you make of it? What do you make of your dad being a psychiatrist? Well, he just passed. Well, he didn't just pass. He passed away about yeah. a year ago. And um, what do I make of it? Most of my, he never got psychiatric on me. You know, because that's that like, that you that's know the, of. Well, uh, yeah, okay, but uh, uh, except for one time, uh-huh. but it's not because I think the perception is uh, the routine comeback is your father's psychiatrist. Yeah. Well, did he analyze you? No, that day to day was not. Uh, I think you're. Let's use our words. Oh right, you know, right. No, he was just like sit down, shut up. You know, like a normal parent. Except for one time when I was like, you know, feeling myself. I said, Dad, what's the <clears throat> what's the definition of insanity? And he just looked at me and smirked. He goes, yeah. it means nothing. It is a legal definition. Like, you right. idiot, right. shut up. Yeah, what are you talking Get about? Get out of the car, I'll <laughs> pick you up at five. And I was like, oh, but words I, are weapons. I, I think that the, the generally, it seems to me that the, the common thing about being the kid of a psychiatrist is uh, is that they're always a little weird. Well, yeah. I married the child of a psychiatrist. Well, then, then and uh, but she was she didn't strike me as weird. But then I knew some other kids, and they seemed weird. But I don't know why mm-hmm. that would be. Maybe that's something we project onto people. Your dad's a shrink. You it was weird. always projected on me. You know, it was. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, he passed away. My, yeah. my father died, and I we just got these papers, all this stuff of this writing that he did. Uh, a long time ago about his life it was kind of like i don't know what it was unpublished no yeah yeah absolutely they were just private you know musings like he had had a series of questions clearly this is an elongated biography my father also was an author so i don't know at what time uh whatever but he would always use any kind of method to write yeah but the point being is as an african-american uh, going to med school and desiring to become a psychiatrist at that time, I think there were one or two other black uh, right. uh, students in med school at Michigan. And so that's what was incredible. And, you know, studying at the Meninger Clinic and this it and that. It was at the Meninger Clinic. That's I a big believe, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was... So it's uh, a completely unique experience he's writing about. It could yes. be one of two or three African Americans. Yes, absolutely. So that must have been what. So it talks about his challenges, maybe. He, yeah. he, he, he talks about. Right. But, but more it was, um, you know, by rote, but there was some insight, meaning as a young student, yeah. you know, or as, yeah. a, as a resident, uh, faced with um, probably 99.9% Caucasian men. Right. Uh, uh, just how do you get ahead? And I, you know, I, mean, I know my father told me, he said, well, I really didn't have a choice. If you wanted to be your own boss and you were a person of color, you had to be a doctor, lawyer, dentist, or else you're working for a, a someone who's white who will subjugate you. Or a shop owner of some kind. Yes, exactly. Right, so right. you had to go into business for yourself. And so that was the whole aim. So, so it wasn't necessarily a, a passion <clears throat> to... Uh, to you think that it was well it must have been no my father psychiatry that's not like when you're thinking about i want to go into business 
I didn't know. go into it. I wasn't smart <laughs> yeah. enough. That's I mean. a, that seems like a lot to put in. You know, you got to put in the medical school, oh, yeah. the internship, the in, residency. All in nineteen forty something. That's you know? crazy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like what were you thinking? And so my dad is and was the smartest person I ever knew. I mean, I think he went to college and he was like sixteen and you know, he's brilliant. He oh yeah. Really, he's so, really smart. So how much of this writing is there? Uh well, um, I found two copies. My brother and I, uh I think my father's just widow. Two of you? Yeah. No, my sister. Uh-huh. I'm the youngest. Yeah. Um, but but we found these papers. They were given to us, you know, from his widow who's cleaning out stuff. You guys right. might want to. Yeah. But two or two different copies of the same thing. Most of it is family history. You know, my ah. uh, like my my grandmother was born in 1900, and I remember uh, you know a ritual when I was with my grandmother. Uh, yeah. When I was very little, we'd sleep. You know, do sleep over, and I see grandmother tell me about when you were a little girl, uh-huh. and she would always start with these sweet stories, <laughs> and it was like, and then that boy was Lynn and they cut his tongue out and (laughs) hung him by his penis. Anyway, who wants a cookie? You know, like, uh, ooh. But, you know, as a kid, I, I just was fascinated. It was like hearing about the Wild West. Yeah, absolutely. So, so as I got older, then I realized this is not just an adventure. This is reality. Exactly. Yeah, and it's yeah. racist and f- hate filled. You know, as a child, it's just the adventure. Like uh, yeah. when the stagecoach was, you know, raided by the Indians. That's what it sounded well, like. Well, you can't, you, know? you can't connect it to reality until you put no. things into context. It's just a horrible story. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. it sounds like your dad intended to publish this thing if there were two copies of it. It ain't getting published now. <laughs> Don't even, I know you're already. So this is a painting that you found on the back of a masterpiece. No, but it does. You know, I have a daughter. Why can't you publish it? You can well, publish it. Is it, it does he it have were... a following? What was he wrote a, a book? Well, he was a 89. Book. Yeah, he had a big following in 68. Yeah, you know? 1968. Oh, yeah. But my father was the radical. To, you know, he, he, you know, he and my mom, they got a divorce. He left. Yeah. He moved out to San Francisco. Right. The summer before the summer of love. So, right. So he was on the couch. So that was just the, the summer of, of racial bullshit. Yes. Well, like, well, before the summer of love, it was just like 10 years of horrible racial tension. Well, we had driven out. I remember one yeah. uh, summer vacation. My brother just reminded me of this. Like, we we're kids in Detroit. We went to Disneyland. I was like nine years old. We drove across country and every stop, you know, once yeah. we got to Amarillo, Texas, that was the first stop. You know, my father yeah. would come back to the car. Guys, uh, they don't like Negroes. So let's keep our voice. Boys, stay in the car, please. Yeah. Jeffrey, put your put your skateboard down. Let's just listen with our ears. So there was a lot of that. But as kids, yeah. I remember my brother and I, we'd go to these motels. There'd be yeah. these white kids in the pool. We'd jump in the pool. They ran out. No. And I'm like, let's go chase them. My brother was like, man, get your motherfucking ass in the car. They hate you, you big head. You know, and you'd punch me. But to me, it was like, no, man, let's go make them play with us. You still didn't get it. No. To this day, I do yeah. not. I'm right. telling you the yeah, truth. Right. Danny um Danny yeah. McBride. I'm at the airport early yeah. in the morning. We I see him, you know, and I yeah. just go over there and introduce myself. We're on the same flight. Yeah. Whatever. Two days later I get an offer to do this film. And I typed to my email on my on my 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 agent. I'm like, that is so crazy because you know Danny and I were on the same flight, and I introduce myself and I get this offer. The universe is bananas, and there was just silence. And then it's like, yeah, he said that he met you. 
Then he gave you the offer. I said, but yeah, but what's the connection though? There is none. It's just Providence. You know, I still didn't get it. I still didn't. Yes, idiot. So you, that's why you got the offer. You, so you, that's, that's great. You live in a magical world. If you're lucky. Dense. Yeah, you, 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 everything is magic to you. But then there was like, maybe I shouldn't verbalize. I should just internalize so they don't realize what kind so, of idiot But I'm kind of interested in the, yeah. the idea. So your dad moves to San Francisco? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to bounce around a lot. In so, 1968? Well, no. Here's what it went down. You know, my parents, I remember there was a family meeting and yeah. my mom and dad said, you know, your father and I are having problems and we want you to know. This was very psychiatric. When I think back, we want you kids to Progressive. Know it's yeah. not your fault. Right. It is our uh, issue that we're yeah. going to work through. Right. And uh, we're not getting a divorce. And it was like, that's the word. Like, what is a divorce? These are the words I learned as a child. What is assassination? How is assassination different than murder? Then I was told, you know, when Kennedy and all that. So divorce, what is divorce? You know, right. And they told us and then they, anyway, we told our friends we're supposed to move to California. We packed up. Yeah. My father goes ahead and that was it. You know, he writes to my mom a letter. Uh, by the way, you're not joining us. So that's how it went down. Yeah. Very classic 60s yeah. divorce. Yeah. And uh, so he got a waterbed, uh, a dashiki. Mm -hmm. You know, he, uh -huh. was, he was, come on. Uh -huh. He was like a uh, midlife uh -huh. crisis. It's the 60s. Some African art and posters? Not African art. No. no. But he did like, you know, the, the peripheral <laughs> Black Panther stuff, you know. Sure. Do you have one of these uh, Afro rakes? Oh, With yes. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. My, my father taking us to the barbershop. Yeah. Cut these boys' hair in an afro. You are not colored. You black. You know, I was like, oh, oh okay. And he made the jump. Oh, oh yeah. Shit. So when Obama was, like, elected, my father was like, Man, fuck him. He's not black enough. He should be telling all these white folks, kiss my ass. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that would have like, helped out. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, dad, he could do that, but he's probably not going to be president. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to hear it. But so did did you? So you went back and forth from Detroit to to San Francisco and as a kid, or like? Well, uh, we went to visit my dad. We, I, we would see him. So like you live once with your mom. a year? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it was absolutely. But I remember going to visit him. And so you gotta imagine this. It was sixty eight in crazy. San Francisco. A circus. Oh my Is god. We yeah. We get off the plane and my father goes, "I'm going to take you to People's Park." And we mm -hmm. we're like, you know, you got to hear this. This is our political education. We're like, yeah. What kind of park is this? Yeah. You know, there's a fence around it, and there are no there are no, no toys. <laughs> where yeah. the where are the swings? Yeah. You know, my father's like the toys are in your mind. <laughs> yeah, man. Your yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he takes us to the Black Panther headquarters, and we see the hippies, and we're just like, you went. To, uh, he took you to Oakland. Yes, uh -huh. that was a tourist yeah. spot, and for I your dad, we, here's yes, the, here's the Panthers. Yeah, we got there the day that Bobby Hutton, who was a 16 year old Black Panther, uh -huh. was murdered by the police. Okay, it was his funeral. So, and we were like, "Now you're taking us to a funeral? What the fuck is this? You know, where is Disneyland?" Yeah. So that was uh, that was my life, you know. And and then going back to Detroit, you know, my dad had this huge book. What book uh, was it? It was called Black Rage. Did he? That was that his turn. Did he? Yes, coin that I, term? you have to Google it before I say yes. I don't want to, you know, put my foot in it. But it became sure. whatever it was. It became popularized by this book. This book was a, a huge bestseller. What was it about? It was the Black Rage Defense, meaning you, Mark, and your forefathers yeah. have subjugated and oppressed me so much yeah. that if I stab the fuck out of you right now, that's because of my 
inherent built-in black rage. Well, you had family in Eastern Europe? (laughs) (laughs) Don't, man. I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> no, but I mean that's part of it. But, my you know, people were helping you. Exactly. Yeah, no, I have a Jewish friend. She goes, "So what? My great grandmother was raped by the Cossacks. We're, right. We all have a cross. We, we tried <laughs> to make up for it. We were down exactly. there. We got you the voting thing. We were down no, there. No, but I mean, so I, I'm. You have to read it. Yeah. Because one of the things my did father you read it? Did, of course. Yeah. One of the things my father did for the rest of his life is like you know he hated when that book was used as a legal defense. Yeah. He hated like professional psychiatrists, you know, uh, DeAndre uh, yeah. severed Mark's head because uh, he felt <laughs> oppressed by his white presence. Uh. You know, he didn't like all that stuff, you know, so. So he was, he saw it more as an academic thing as, as, as opposed to a practical defense I, I, for any crime a black person might commit? That's one aspect, but yeah. he also didn't like people moving when he talked. So, but you put them all together. <laughs> literally, was, literally. Was he, was he a clinical psychiatrist? psychiatrist? Yes. Yeah. So he had an office. People would come yes, over. Yes, yes, yes. But but he had an office, and it was very '60s because I remember going down to visit him. So it had like, in Detroit. Yes. Yeah. There was a downtown yeah. plaza that was very hip. It's called Lafayette Park. Yeah. And when he moved there, he had another office in downtown Detroit, like the book building, which uh-huh. was just you know right yeah. downtown. But he moved to this new office. Had the double door, the couch. It looked like a fucking James Bond movie. And you know, the white chick was the secretary. Oh, hello, David. I was like, yeah, man, this is it. <laughs> this is Whoa. how you live. Hell yeah. So, over Buick 225. Is that that Detroit that you grew up in? Is it mm-hmm. gone? I mean, like, what, yeah. what part of, like, I know, I, you know, I hear things I don't want to judge. I know that there's some mm-hmm. areas of Det- Detroit that are coming back. I've performed outside of Detroit, but, mm-hmm. but, but the, 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 the news out now is that, mm-hmm. you know, Detroit sort of decimated all right listen i'm talking pre-riot sure early 60s detroit you know in our minds industrial we, like powerhouse like, yeah man yeah. it was like the cars was before yeah, yeah. the japanese or uh-huh. europeans would they we were king of the world glorious I mean, city fuck yeah it was like the fifth largest city in the world yeah I mean, in, in america rather yeah and we thought I live in a cosmopolitan area. You went to private schools and yeah. very hip and cool, and this is the life, you know. So you went? You went to a private school for a while. For yeah. a while, like when we were very young. I just got these pictures from like kindergarten, first to second grade, and it's me and a sea <laughs> of racists. No, and a sea of like white kids, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And there's like the one wearing other, a little jacket. Were you wearing a little jacket? Oh, suit and tie. Oh, really? And I had this bolo like. Uh-huh. It was really little kid stuff. So that's a, that's a, like see that's an interesting kind of upbringing in terms of like you know because I you, people make assumptions that there was a very healthy black middle class in Detroit when you were growing up. Yeah, that's that's yeah. it. Well, well, think about this. You know, the car companies when they were thriving. Yeah. That was a very comfortable middle class existence that people could count on right from high school t- until retirement. Yeah. So that was guaranteed. These were post-war union jobs. Yeah. Uh, African-Americans. I mean, that's why all of these black people were in Chicago, Detroit. I mean, that's what attracted them initially yeah. is these jobs. I think my grandmother's brothers so my grand uncles you know one comes then the whole family comes they have uh, where jobs are they from they're from mississippi by way oh, yeah. of alabama uh-huh. so forget about it if you're saying in the 30s yeah 
Uh, Let's get the fuck out. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> this is an actual life where yeah. we won't be oppressed and beaten and killed and lynched. So that's the scenario. Uh, and very progressive. I yeah. mean, we went to, as a kid, you know, my father's friends, we all went to this, quote, progressive, really progressive school at mm -hmm. that time. So that was the first kind of school I remember, the school bus and all that stuff. Oh, yeah? Like yeah. What progressive, not like a Montessori school, but just an integrated, tolerant, <laughs> yes. um, uh, uh, yes. kind of like this is the uh, this is the way democracy works. Oh, absolutely. I remember yeah. being brought into the auditorium and watching the assassination coverage of uh, John F. Kennedy. You know, I think I was in first or second grade, a 19-inch black and white yeah. television. You do, and, you do remember that. Oh, absolutely. Oh. I remember our class, we wrote sympathy letters to Jackie Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they were graded. <laughs> Come on. I'm not kidding you. It, for <laughs> so years. So they sent them out with a yeah, B so minus David, on them? When David said, I'm sorry, that's a <laughs> compound word. I'm, there was no <laughs> Yeah. And it was marked up, but yeah. I lost the letter. I wish I could find it because it was. So that's like, because you're a little older than me. Like, I'm 53. I'm 47. Oh, I'm sorry. I, miss, yeah. I must have misread. I 47, died. you look great. Well, thank you. I just dyed my mustache. <laughs> yes, I'm 61. I'm 61. 61? Mm-hmm. So you you do have memory like I was born the year that he got shot two months before yeah. he was shot I don't have any memory yeah. I have memories of Watergate but I and Vietnam War looking at the Watergate TV Watergate was boring to me after like everyone yeah, just guys got shot. sitting at microphones yeah. you know what I mean uh, like yeah, for hours right right but uh, but the Vietnam War I, hell I remember that on TV like it was terrifying I just remember guys in the jungle mm -hmm. you know like it just bad well, first news first of all I, I there was a kid one of my best friends around the block yeah his cousin teenage cousin went to Vietnam so I'd never heard a word like Vietnam it was like Klingon to yeah. me. you know what I mean yeah. I was like what is a Vietnam where is it and he said you know it's in Asia yeah and he his cousin fought in spider holes and and immediately I'm like they have spider, spider holes big, big enough big, yeah. for people to crawl into <laughs> In a place called Vietnam, I don't want to be there. <laughs> Is that what they're fighting? <laughs> yeah. So that was my <clears throat> introduction to it. But I remember watching. You've, you've progressed that one, haven't you? I mean, Not much. <laughs> fake news. I'm all for it. Come on. Isn't that what we do every night? Yeah, you live in magic land. Yes. Yeah. Yes, of course. There's no connection. Yeah. Mark, come on. Yeah. But I remember watching the draft yeah. lottery. Right. And my brother's number was 18, I think. Like, he should have been on the first bus. And he got out of it. And, he's know, that much older than you? He's four years older than uh -huh. me. So, uh, and it was like the end of the war, like 70, 71. Yeah, yeah, right. Th that was bad then because then they, they're just shoveling oh, people yeah. to die. Yes. There was, you know, like if you got there that year, you're yeah. sort of like, this is just about me. Yes. If you want me to go someplace I don't want to go, I'm going to shoot you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, so, you know, I'm talking about this because for years I thought my dad was so brilliant. He yeah. got my brother off. And it wasn't until I was grown, my dad goes, he had nothing to do with it. You know, yeah. my brother, like, you know, didn't bathe for like two weeks, you know, and just took a bunch of speed and walked in there talking crazy. And they're like, you, sir, yeah. may remain home. <laughs> We're not going. <laughs> exactly. We don't need you. We, we, and, yeah. and we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. It seems like you understand it. <laughs> There's no connection, yeah. sir. So where did you go to, uh, like, how did it progress for you? So what, when you were a kid, you grew mm -hmm. up in, an, in, in a nice life, you yeah. know, uh, well-educated, good folks. Beautiful house, same what house. Was, what did your mom do? 
She was just, well, I don't want to say just. She was, as a young child, yeah. until my father left, yeah. you know, uh, she was a housewife. Right. And then once the, the divorce, you know, he left, and then she went back to teaching, which she always hated, which I, I, it, there's a perverse comedy in there now, but she was just the, she hated it, but she had to do it. <laughs> she hated just teaching? Like a, yeah, she was like a t- kindergarten teacher, and, you know, so. And she went back to that, hating, yeah. hating kids, hating I teaching knew, them. Well, I feel bad, but, I mean, we were like, you know, when you're kids, you're like, yeah. dude, come on, man, I need Hot Wheels, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to hear about, you know, fulfillment. <laughs> uh, no, you're just like, I am, what's more important than me? Well, what was your, like, what were you aspiring to as, as a kid? Like, when you uh, did, well, you're in a magic bubble, we've established that. Like, <laughs> where you How dare you, which, What compelled you towards, uh, uh, towards I, the arts? I lo- you know what I used to do when I was a little kid? And yeah. Back of Boys Life, or you know, oh my god, I haven't heard about that magazine yeah, in a while. Or, or like they had the Boys you, Life, yeah. Can you draw this fawn? Sure, and right, I would do that. Right, there was, yeah, oh, you ju- and I right. would, ha- they'd be like, Sir, you have uh, you're brilliant. Those, those animals with the human eyes ish, yeah. like <laughs> sort of like compassionate eyes. There was a yeah. squirrel or something, right? Yeah. A fawn, so you drew it. Exactly. Sent it in. Sent it in, and uh, that was before I found out it was kind of a ripoff. But I mean, I just remember like I wanted to be a painter, yeah, an artist, or biology, you know, painter of biology, yeah, sure, animals. Yeah. I memorized every amphibian. Oh and yeah, toad and How, frog. Do you still remember them? Yeah, I know what's not in Michigan because yeah. they used to put out these regional. <laughs> yeah, things. yeah, yeah. I know that we don't have bullfrogs; we have green frogs. Oh, good, good. Which was a. Uh, uh, a, a so sadness sure but in in the event that someone goes look at that bullfrog you're like green nope. uh-uh. yeah, and then you have an argument maybe get hit i would argue you down sure sure because for um what was it show and tell uh-huh i would get up there with this book and just lecture the class on uh-huh. why we don't have pacific spotted <laughs> sure lake turtles yeah. in michigan because See, you yeah. like you like the research of it, <laughs> right? Like I saw some uh, map of rats yesterday. <laughs> oh. You know, you get the you get the the Norway rat, yes. and then you get and then you get tree rats, and they're like you First know, of we, all tree rats, dude. No, I think they are called tree rats. Ah, there are. That's what freaked me out. They're here. The yes, <laughs> that's that metal band around the palm trees. I was like, is that for the homeless children so they don't climb <laughs> climb up for a coconut? Yeah, what the exactly. Fuck are you no, they date? had. They want a date. They have nests of rats in trees. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Now, apparently, that's the ones we got here. No, thank you. Yeah. So you didn't go into biology. You didn't go into uh, uh, too painting. Yeah, biology is required. Your dad probably. Well, he probably had something to say about biology. He had to do all that shit. Well, I remember he goes. So you know, he left. He's out there, and so I was oh, like, you know, <laughs> it was college time. College yeah, time. And he's so was like, he talking about? Like, hey, man. No, he's yeah. like, uh, I assume that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the profundance of uh, thoughts and feelings. I mean, that's how he talked to me, and I'd be like, what? He's like, you know very well what my musings mean. I'm like, musings? What the fuck? <laughs> so <laughs> he, he, he sent me like this yeah. application yeah. for U, University of California, Berkeley's chemistry department. And I'm like, are you insane? Yeah. Do you know I've been doing acid for the last four <laughs> years? I can't do this. You know, so I just went on to Michigan. You were an acid guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Mescaline, THC, more than I care to. In high school? Yeah, started about 15, 14, window pain. Really? That so that was the good shit. So it, that was, I've never been that high ever in my life. What was that like? The, so what year was that? 70? 
I'm going to say 71, Yo, something so, like that. So it had trickled into the mainstream, like as it was uh, around. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we got it. You know, yeah. same thing as like, give Billy, you know, your $5. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you went out there, huh? Uh, I did, man. And it was, I'll put it like this. It was like, it took me 12 hours to realize I was in a room with no ceiling that was on fire. Yeah. So that's how high I was. What, was, was it really on fire? No, it was my mom's living room. I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> And my mom followed me around. It, this is you're not supposed you, to trip with your mom. Exactly. Well, that was never the plan. My friends dropped me off on the front lawn, and my mom found me at like three in the morning playing with the dog. Like, see, it's no connection. Oh my god. You know. So she was worried. She was yeah, a single sure, mom. And, sure. Sure. And her um, son's on acid playing yeah, with the dog. Yeah, talking about Jimi Hendrix or yeah. whatever. You know. Oh, but you got to like. It's so nice to like. I envy that you were cognizant and engaged in in the world when that shit was happening. Like by yeah. six, in sixty eight seventy two, I was was nine. So I'd see pictures. I saw Mad Magazine, but like yeah. you were like a few years older. So you're like, I get, I got the record, man. Well, my brother actually saw Hendrix. I never saw him, but there's a very. Oh, that's right. You got the older brother with the shit. There's a story that is needs to be told. I've never actually I wrote it down because yeah. I actually did research and stuff to go back and ask. But this time that my brother told me that you know Hendrix had come to Detroit and I m must have just turned thirteen. Yeah, and he went. He wouldn't take me. Yeah. And he met Hendrix. You Come know, on. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hendrix, they went to his dressing room and he brought him on stage. This was a myth in my family. And for years, I just thought my brother told me this to rub it in, you know, and he, I never like he made it up. Him. Yeah, I always thought I never really yeah. believed him. And uh, just a couple of years ago, he told me how he got this email from his friend, Michael, who yeah. had gone with him that night. And he read me the email and I'm in the car and my eyes well up because it was like, I remember all the cool stuff we did. It's so great to connect with you. Remember that night with Hendrix and how he talked to us and it was all you, man. Like, it, yeah. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, my brother was a hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like really, like he, he met the dwarf king yeah and so i just was like oh my god i never believed it i still get goosebumps <laughs> and so it was just a bonding thing like oh my gosh he wasn't lying oh my where's your brother at he's living in daily city yeah in daily city he moved with, with my dad oh, by your dad yeah and he never came back. I mean, he just stayed in the Bay Area. And uh, what's he do? Was, uh, he is retired. Uh -huh. he, he took care of my mom until the very end. She oh. moved ninety-five and a half. Wow! And he did the dirty work. Oh, he did. Oh my God! Every daily. Yeah, man. yeah. You know, I was, actor, I was like, you know, I can take her, man. Yeah. But I'm busy. I, you know, I'm doing a lot of things, <laughs> man. Dinglings. I got Thursday to Sunday, so you know, <laughs> so, so I send her money and stuff. But yeah, he is going to heaven i mean that <laughs> yeah. trust me yeah so he's chilling i mean he's that's chilling. nice and your yeah, sister's yeah, yeah. still around she's living still in detroit and oh yeah i'm the you know youngest so here well, we and you're all close i'm closer to my brother yeah but it, if you have brothers and sisters it goes weird there was a point when it goes was, in and out exactly i was closer to my sister when she moved near me when i was in new york like in 75 what do you i think that has something to do with the fact that like me and my brother are close but like mm -hmm. when it gets too close and yeah. and and they they you know you know them inside and out they know you inside and out yeah. and if they're fucking up and they don't want to cop to it then yeah. it gets a little trippy right you're yes. like you know yes. what's going on with you i'm all right yeah it's like dude get the <laughs> yeah 
Like one time, my brother goes, he goes, you like, yeah, my nephew's he's twenty one or whatever. He's like, I mean, you know, he's acting crazy, and I'm like, what? Is, well, like what? Give me an example, man. You know, talk to me. No, I mean, he's like, like I'm crazy. You know, he's saying like I'm crazy, but it's not me. I know it's him. I'm like, well, get what? What is the service? Well, I was saying, you know, he's 19, 20, whatever. We can sit, watch porn together. I was like, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> Um, see, that's inappropriate. Hey. Why? We're both young adults. And I'm like, I never want to watch <laughs> porn with my dad. Okay? <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> like, I guess you're crazy. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, uh, yeah, dude. So, you know, there's those things where sometimes yeah. you have to, you know, drop the hammer. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, what did you do the acting, man? Um, how did that happen? Well, you know, I dropped out of school. I went to Michigan and Michigan uh, State? No, University. Come on, man. University of Michigan. That's brother, a good one, on. right? That's the good one. Yeah. Not a good one. Yeah. In Michigan, that's the school. So, yeah. went there, dropped out my freshman year. I always played really shitty guitar. Oh, yeah? Always, yeah. Tons of songs, really bad. You still play? I do. Yeah. I do, badly. I mean, now I have all the guitars of my dreams, like every other. <laughs> I try not to get, I get, bag. I try to get them for free and I don't go crazy. I did I spend was, some money on some amps. Yeah, I've done all that. Yeah, and, uh, got a little money. You're like, I'm buying them all. I'd like the Marshall. Yeah, of course. I never, I never. Did you buy a Hendrix Strat? No, because I always thought that was sac sacrilegious. Oh, yeah. I can't play like Hendrix, man. Right. I mean, so what's your guitar? Right now, I'm into Les Pauls. And yeah, I was me too. Very late. To me the too. Game. Me to Gibsons. Late. I was always wow. a Fender guy. Mm -hmm. And now Absolutely. I got a couple Gibsons, and I'm like, holy shit, these are magic. Uh, yeah, they really are. I mean, yeah. that. that guitar can do everything oh yeah yeah what what kind which last fall you got i have a, a <clears throat> well what happened was you know my one of my first guitars was like a 73 les paul deluxe yeah the gold top no it was a cherry red uh-huh you, you could buy like three hundred dollars yeah you know and I, I customized it and all this sure. it was stolen like uh -huh. every <laughs> yeah, guitar yeah. ever yeah so I, I, I lend mine and then they disappear like, I know who had them and where they went, <sighs> no. but then you can't get them back. No, it yeah. usually went like, David, David to Tommy's mom tell you to call me? Yeah, mom, what's going on? All right, I just don't want you to be upset. Mom, what's going on? <laughs> Son, sit down. And um, I was like, mom, what happened? Well, I came home from school yeah. and I asked you to put the dishes in the sink. I was like, mom, what? She goes, there's been a break-in. <laughs> Right. I was like, oh my God, mom, go in my closet and look. Well, I have to put the groceries down. Uh -huh. You know, she's there and I'll call you back. Uh, there's no guitar. Yeah. So the guitar was stolen. Uh huh. She gave me money. Yeah. I bought another one. That's when I bought the Les Paul. Money. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to replace that guitar. Right. Nostalgia. And I started looking around and playing. And I'd also had a big theft, you know, here in California. I had a bunch of very valuable vintage guitars that were stolen yeah and i just was done I'm yeah done with old crusty yeah vintage yeah. i just want something that sounds good yeah and i can replace sure so. yeah i think i never got into that like i got some amps that are kind of classic but i won't do the i can't collect it i got a lot of guitars but i try to talk them out of the guys like yeah. hey i'll talk about them on the thing i'll play them on the show yeah i'll play them on the show you give me and i'll do the thing and it takes a couple of years, and eventually they yes. relent. And they give me Motorcycles, that. I did that with. But yeah. the guitars, I just, you know, most of my life, trading albums, selling albums, like in the 70s. I'm still when I doing was, that. Well, that was my currency. I mean, when I was in college, I lived above a used record shop. So whenever I was out of money, I would just go and trade 
uh, albums. Because yeah. that was instant cast. The same with guitars. I always uh, bought yeah. really great vintage guitars when I was broke. I would sell them or, you know, do whatever. I never hocked them. I just sold them and it was like, okay. Well, you I back into records? I have a core, not currently, but I got into comedy albums, like the old like yeah. black comedy albums. Sure. Like the best, you yeah. know, Blue yeah. Fly and, yeah. and Red Fox. The party and, records? Yeah. Yeah, those are great. Yeah. Yeah, so that was probably my last run. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just back into it. I'm in the rabbit hole with the records. Hey, man. Yeah. Get it. So, all right, so you drop out of Michigan. Yeah, so I went to New York. I was reading Cream Magazine. Sure. And Soho Weekly, Village Voice. And right then was the punk scene. I was like the Ramones and Patti Smith and all those. 72, 73? Yeah, 74. Uh-huh. And I just felt like if I don't go at this moment, then I'm going to miss it. And also, I looked upon it. Of course, I didn't tell my mom this, yeah. but this is my year abroad. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so I just took my money and yeah. just, what, what, really, I took the tuition money and moved to New York City. You know, the Lower East Side, seventy-five. Yeah. I lived there for a year. Oh yeah. And at that time is when I started hanging out with actors in New York, and I figured this is what I can do with my life because I really said, "Look, you 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 suck at guitar." What's the best? You know, you get an album, <laughs> yeah. a bald spot, and you're fucked. You're fucked yeah. in like nine years. You're yeah. pot belly. You know, do acting. You can get old doing it. Really? You thought that you were, yes. you were thinking the long term? Yeah, because I was already jaded. I mean, I was already, you know, by the 70s, all those groups, I'd seen everybody and Led Zeppelin, all that stuff. And yeah, but on some level, it's sort of like what you said about your old man and about like, uh, you know, getting into a business yes, yes, that you could yes. call your own. Just, but you at least acknowledge your talent to some degree <laughs> i didn't know i didn't know if i had talent yet so you're hanging out with actors and what do you how do you proceed um here's what happened i'm yeah. gonna tell you this so i worked at the, the haagen-dazs ice cream store i was on 86th street like the it, original one or something no but back at that time in the 70s haagen-dazs yes yeah. haagen-dazs you could only there were only two stores right. in the world yeah where you could <laughs> this guy who owned these two stores that you could walk in yeah. and get a cone back then haagen-dazs ice cream was like exotic yeah sure you know and people would line up yeah. and you would scoop until you had carpal tunnel yeah uh so that's what i was doing yeah a I comes in and I was just tired. I was yeah. tired. It was the end of the night yeah. and he asked me something. I got up on the counter and I did this whole routine and yeah. I jumped down. The guy was like, I'm going to tell you something. You are an actor and you are wasting your life. Now, you don't know who I am. You know, I'm not some pervert. Yeah. I'm going to give you this card. This is an agent. You need to go and call this person and uh it's your life but this is what i feel you're destined to do it, 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 this really happened yeah so i said okay and that's what started it that's what started it you yeah. called the guy yes i went to this agent and they were legitimate and they were saying like look you really need some training i mean yeah. you got to get into scene study and so then i applied to the neighborhood playhouse uh-huh sanford meisner sanford meisner right sat there and interviewed but you know at the time i was like yeah some old white guy yeah right. weird whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> And he interviewed me like we talked for like over an hour and he said, you know what? I like you a lot. I'll yeah. let you in. But then I had to raise like the money to go there. My mother would never pay for it. So that led me to go back to Michigan, 
start acting there, and then move back to New York. I mean, it just seemed like the logical thing. You went back to school? Yes. And I said, because then I can, you know, I knew that my I would have the support of my family. Right. My friends. As long as you were in college and they could think exactly. like, he won't stick with this. Yes, that was it. Because yeah. I never majored in acting. Right. I majored in journalism. She's like, well, okay, I'm a Negro reporter. That's <laughs> acceptable. By the way, David, <laughs> something's happened. What, mom? We had another break-in. What? There were like five break-ins when I was in there, like every yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> Another guitar. Oh, they took everything. Yeah. They, yeah. So yeah. you finished Michigan. Yeah, I, I, I finished Michigan, and at that point, I, you know, I was majoring in, in journalism. But, but you're acting like in the stage troupe thing? Everything. In, in, in everything. In college or outside yes. of college? Oh, okay. We formed our own theater company uh i was full on you know, yeah. it was like this is what i'm gonna do but not training really just yeah doing it. i mean i was studying acting that's where really i took classes i just couldn't major major right. in it at and, the school uh, yes mm -hmm. and uh then i applied to yale got in holy My shit. roommate who's reggie e. kathy people know because he's pretty pretty well known i guess yeah I mean, um we both got in yeah and then I went from Yale. It was like that was two years at it. Yale or four, three, three years at Yale. So that three. was, and that's the preeminent acting program at that time. Meryl Streep went there. And like Juilliard and Yale was it? Yeah, I applied to Juilliard, and they're like, "No, thank you, sir." But Yale was big, right? So it was huge, man. So you had to do the whole thing. You had to do movement. You had to do dance. Oh, you had to do swordsmanship. Fencing. Yeah, fencing. fencing, ballroom, Alexander <laughs> technique. <laughs> we did. We didn't do ballroom, but we did do. Yeah, some phonetics. We had phonetics, and we had speed. It was like you know the MGM, you know. But you were who was in your there. class? Were there people? People that went there with me around yeah. that. You know, Rock Dutton. I met there. Yeah. Um, Kate Burton, Jane. Kazmarek, Jane Kazmarek, John Turturro, you know, some people like that. You know him? Yes, we were all were in school there. Yeah, he, like, he, like that's, that's sort of, that must have been amazing. It was amazing. It you was know, amazing. Because there's, like, if you go to Yale, that's all you're doing because New Haven's a shithole. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it was like going to school in Detroit, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on the serious side, because it was only all about art. That's all we did 24-7. Right. And you didn't have the pressure of your career. Right. Didn't have the pressure of, well, you were just in this, you know, Strindberg one act. How yeah. is that going to affect your TVQ? No, we were just doing the work. Well, at that in those years that, you know, a career was not the focus. Like, no. they, they didn't, be, you know, there wasn't as many options. It was a long shot. Mm -hmm. And you got into it to do theater. Like, you know, oh, yeah, so I was bought in. I was just cult thing. So you cult do, you were doing all. You were doing Strindberg. You were doing Shakespeare. All of it. <laughs> all of it. And I, I in particular, for some reason, I did like thirty three productions in three years. I mean, a million and all different kind of stuff. It really changed my life. And we would do, you know, we. I started doing comedy. Like we would do. I think we did this uh, evening of comedy. You know, at Yale. Yes, yes. That in the cabaret, and I would sing. I still wrote songs, and I would go to New York and do workshops or. or but at that point, those people I knew, like one of the guys, I guess that I met while there, like Steve Forbert, yeah, who be, who became kind of the cool singer. For a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. We him. were all. We would all do open mics. Yeah. you know that kind of stuff. But and, anyway, that's and what you I were did. doing singing or doing stand up. No, I never did stand up when I was in New York. I was I was a musician. How right. dare you? A did musician you? and actor. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then I tried comedy, which was you know what? Nothing. I lived around the block from the catch. 
Catch a Rising Star. In the 70s. Well, that was actually, I moved after I graduated. I moved back to New York, yeah. and that was my apartment. And yeah, I, that's where I met Chris Rock. I mean, a bunch of people. Late 70s. <clears throat> yes, 80, actually. 80. 81. Yeah, 81. So you graduate Yale, having mm-hmm. done like you know everything from you know Shakespeare to David Rabe to Beckett everything. to yeah. yeah, and then w- your first couple, you get movies pretty quick, right? No, I mean my first job was to star in a musical on Broadway about Jackie Robinson, the first African American ball player. Now yeah. here's how it went down: like you know my my mom. What was came. it called? It was called the first. Yeah. And on my graduation, my dad came, and this was the one time where he was speechless. Oh, yeah? That's good. Like, he's walking around. After the show? No, this is the graduation day. Oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, he's like, how did you do this? (laughs) Like, he was so disconnected. He was like, you know, so you want to join the circus? When did this start? And I was like, well, it's a passion. And he was totally blown away, you know? And I just was like, God, please, please give me one job. I will become a male hustler. Please just <laughs> let them feel like, I have something. Well, and but, like magic. But I he was impressed thing. though. Fuck yeah, he, he was went. speechless. <laughs> yeah. And I went, oh my God, it was just a great feeling. When you yeah. got the job and you could tell him. And- well, no, first of all, that day. Yeah. And I literally made that prayer. I said, please give me one job. I'll be unemployed for 10 years just right. to shut them up. And I got this role. Yeah. It was to the star in this musical. Plus, it was like acting. You know, it was about yeah. black people, white people. You know, I sang songs like, and Mama, I can play that game. Son, it's not your time. You know, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I can climb that tree. You know, that <laughs> yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. And so my dad came. Everybody <laughs> came. And I was like, thank, thank you. Yeah. And my mom freaked the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> She would. She just went nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's my son, and you know, it was cool. I mean, it's cool if you've had that moment. I know not everybody does, but it was sometimes cool. it takes a long time, if at all, for them to realize. Yeah. Like, no, oh, I guess he's doing something. I always hated you. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I got that. Yeah. So it really was. But I'll tell you one time. Like, so when we closed, you know, we only ran for three weeks. We closed, and my the world mom, wasn't ready. I don't know. It just, yeah, yeah. Man, it just flopped. Yeah. It just flopped. Real good hearted. I mean, you know, at that time, people would come from Brooklyn. Sure. It was all about the Dodgers. They yeah, would sit they there remember. And they would cry. I mean, the, the scrim, our uh, curtain, uh-huh. was the old fence from Ebbets Field. They recreated it. What was the audience? Was it was it mixed or was it? It was papered. Is right. <laughs> it was because I remember one of the last performances again, me in the class. I go, I think we're going to make it. You know, and they're like, look, the, 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 it's almost a full house. And like the stage manager goes, kid, that's your cue. And I go, yeah, yeah, but w- w- come on. He goes, the, the audience is papered. I said, what does papered mean? There's Jackie now. And I had to run on stage. And I'm like, oh God, now we know. But uh, it was amazing. It was like I was on cloud nine. It must have been so exciting to be on a big stage, and who cares if it's papered? I mean, no, be on I Broadway. Mean, that was the end. Literally, for that period, everything I could have dreamt in my life came Happening. true. Yeah. And the last day when we were yeah. closing, I had never gone through this, and I, I remember I got in a cab, and I yeah. said, take me around the park. And the guy rode me around the park and I yeah. just like bawled like a kid you know oh. I was like it's and I come into the theater and everyone's crying everyone like these are old hardened 
crew members yeah. were weeping, yeah. you know, and it just because they were killed me. attached to the show. They thought it was a great. Yeah, show. they believe. I mean, it was a sweet show. It was a very New York show. Yeah, and, and it was because what really what the play was about. If there's a great documentary about the Dodgers, because yeah. this was a time in New York where they got it right. You know, and, and Ebbets Field, this cross-section of Brooklyn, these are baseball players who lived in the community because mm-hmm. they didn't make that much money. Yeah. When they were not uh, training, they worked at, like, the appliance shop right. or at a car dealership. Yeah. Uh, so they were in the community, and uh, it was a very special time. Yeah. So it was, it was great. I it think was you should special. revive it. I, only if I can play him now. Yeah. There's young Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> you come like, I got, I'm, a, I'm a little older. <laughs> well, I'm kind of stiff, boys. You know, I've been married three times. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> He's 22. <laughs> if Jackie had lived. <laughs> but, you know, how long uh, did he live? Uh, he, uh, sadly, once he retired, it's like his body fell apart. I mean, oh. he developed diabetes, oh, right. which he died in his 50s, really. Oh. But so, the uh, the connection was that most African-Americans who excelled yeah. like during that period, kind of like my dad, you had to be super ep- exceptional. I yeah. mean, Jackie Robinson got a letter lettered in like three different sports. Right. He could have become an Olympic athlete Right. A baseball player, a football player, you know, basketball player, anything. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. You couldn't coast. You couldn't, you know, take anything for granted because you had to, you know, not only make the cut, you had to be above it. Man, yeah. So you, you no one could like, argue it. Uh-uh. You had to be like, I'm going to take these white people and let them know. You couldn't be like, uh-uh. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, it was wild. It was wild. People. And then when did the movie start? Well, after the musical you know i was nominated for a tony that year which was you know it brought me into the the community the world the acting yeah. professional yeah. acting i did a show called soldiers play at the negro ensemble and we all i think my first film was streamers with robert altman that's heavy man yeah man it was that was again it was like it's a heavy play are you kidding me god damn i'll tell you like david rabe right i i met him at this place where yeah I used to hang out and I go, hey man, David, it's me, David Allen Greer. I'm a young Negro actor mm-hmm. and I'm going to be in your play, but we're doing a movie. He goes, I know. I'm like, okay. It's right. kind of a weird attitude. I'm, going, I'm so excited. He said, you better not fuck it up. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go sit over here now. <laughs> he scared the shit out of me. But I saw him afterwards and he liked it. So yeah. that was good. There's some heavy monologues in that play. Hey man. And Robert Altman, man, yeah. come on. It was, again, it was just... That was that period where Altman was shooting those plays. Like yeah, When you come back to the Five and Dime streamers, and he did, uh, there was another Super one. Super 16 is what it was called. And, of course, people laughed at him, you know, because I remember I would go into, like, real big movies, and they'd yeah. be like, I see you did streamers. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I remember this one well-known director, and he goes, yeah, you shoot on that Super 16. All right, go ahead and read. Yeah. You know. Well, what was Alvin like at that point? He was so great. I mean, he taught me about movie making. Yeah. Because, first of all, the dailies. Yeah. That's all the footage you've shot that day. Yeah. Um, 
the director and everybody, they have to watch everything to choose the takes. Yeah. And it was a completely open process. You know, uh, that's where Altman was. He said, look, I'm not going to hide anything from you. I encourage you actors to come and see this work because he wanted us to buy into the process. Yeah. I want you to care about what we're doing. Right. You're going to so, learn. Right. So the next day you're like, yes. hey, we know what's up. Exactly. And maybe I should tone it down. Yeah, right. You know? Oh, right. All that. And yeah. so uh, we went. We went every night. And was, there was like a little bar in the back, and we would all watch. And, and I learned so much on that movie. Wow. And so he did what well, didn't over-direct. Yeah. I mean, he told me several times. He's like, you know, my biggest job is casting. So one of the things when we auditioned is we would read through the whole play, which yeah. is at his apartment. He had this place on Central Park. And he would switch people out. But I mean, you stay there. You read the whole first act or the whole entire play. Yeah. And that's, you know, I never have since had a audition process. Like right. That, you know? Well, I, I, I talked to a lot of directors and it turns out like a lot of them, you know, it's really like, I cast you, do what, do what I hired you to do. Yes. <laughs> I already believe in you. Yeah, exactly. You know? But uh, so, so it was great. It was uh, a real great learning process. Also, it demystified it because before that film, I didn't know how you got a film. I was like, well, maybe I'm not doing it right. Yeah. You know, maybe I need to, you know, act. Film acting is different because this is what we were always told. You know? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of stops and starts. You can't get a groove going, yeah. really. Action cut. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's lunch. Yeah. You know, but uh, so I, I didn't know the process, and it was really great. And you went from there to Soldier Story. Yeah, that that was another. That was uh, Jewison. Was it Norman, Norman Jewison? Jewison. And 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 that was. I remember that movie. That that movie is is a devastating movie. It is. I mean, I'd been in the play, and uh, it was called the Soldier's Play at that time. Yes, yeah. and you know, Sam Jackson was in there. Oh, really? But his role was cut out of the movie. Uh huh. You know? And um, and for, for like a few years, because I was rolling, you know, Denzel Washington, who was a friend. We were all like, it's like, poor Sam. You think he'll ever get it together? I don't know. He's really tall and weird. Anyway. Yeah. And like, <laughs> he did all right. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, he just blew the fuck up. And That's right. Great. Denzel was in that, too. Yep. I, you know the two I get confused. What's the other one? The Civil War one. Well, all the black people. Yeah, yeah, mind. yeah. Oh, you mean uh, Glory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was great in Glory. Ooh, man. Oh man. Oh, this is another. So I read for Glory, yeah. but at the time, the guys who directed it, the guy yeah. who directed it also had 30-something on uh -huh. the air, which I loved. And I was like, listen, I don't really want to play a slave, but yeah. I'd love to do 30-something. That's really <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I was like, yeah, David, you're playing J-Bo. All right, go. I was like, you can't. I got to. They're like, thank you for coming in. And I get in the car like, I think I really got his ear on the 30-something. Yeah, again, I was wrong. And you got to play J-Bo on 30-something. No, I didn't. Yes, of course. I got nothing is what I got. I got the call where your agents go, what happened today? I, but, I think it was pretty good. I yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the fascinating thing about like your career is that all whatever you did as an actor like leading up to it, you have a very sort of varied actor's career. I mean, you've done fucking everything. But I mean, you, I always wanted to do it like that. Yeah, but it's amazing because not everybody gets to do it like that. You've never stopped mm -hmm. working, and you know that you took opportunities true. where you could. And the the opportunity that makes you is like you're already three or four or five movies into whatever mm -hmm. when In Living Color happens, right? Wow. But dig that year that you know we had done. Uh, I'm gonna get you sucker. 
Yeah. Now, first of all, I got a rule with back. the weigh-ins. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's where when I did uh, Soldier's Story, yeah. I shared a honey wagon or you know like yeah. a little dressing room yeah. with Robert Townsend. Yeah. Robert Townsend would do these routines, and I'm like, this is the funniest dude I have ever seen in my life. And yeah. he'd go, I'd be like, is this your act? And I remember said, watching him on stage at the Comedy Store. Yeah. The improv, and yeah. he said, but Robert would go, he'd go, no, that's my act, that's my boy's act, Damon. He was doing Mo Money, he would do, he would do a sprinkle of Keenan stuff, and I'm like, oh, who are these people? Yeah. And I need to meet them. So he introduced me to the Wayans, and I would hang out in comedy clubs with them. Once I yeah. moved out, that's what I did every it was night. so interesting, those two guys as comedians, because like when I was a doorman at the comedy store in like mm -hmm. 80, what, whatever the fuck it was, 87, like Damon had not broke huge, so he was still doing stand-up, and it was un like one, <laughs> I would sit there in the main room doing the door, and like uh, I said, well, are you going to do the, that thing tonight? He's like, no, tonight's going to be jazz set. Hey, and man. <laughs> Hey, him and him and him and Jim Carrey would talk about. Do you remember that time I, I got in the piano and I stayed there for an hour and a half? And I was like, that must have been uncomfortable. Well, I don't get it. Where was the punchline? Right, it didn't Could matter. Could people hear you? Yeah. You know, they were like, no, David. Keenan was just straight up stand up. Yes. Totally like, and, and Damon was like out there. Well, Keenan. Keenan was like, hear the jokes. He was in, when we were doing Soldier Story. Uh, he Keenan was in the centerfold of Right On magazine, uh -huh. you know, with a shirt, <laughs> yeah. no shirt on. Right, like, right, hey, yeah. ladies, what's up? Yeah, you know, <laughs> laying this dick on all of y'all. I was like, fuck, man, that's huge. Yeah, I remember we saw him on the Tonight Show uh -huh. in our motel in Arkansas. Right, you know, and yeah. I remember the bit. He would do this bit like how the last person that got on the train subway train as the, as the doors closed it was like watching a baby being born and he would physically do it it was hilarious and i'm like this guy's a genius too there's something in their family <laughs> so long story short i would hang out with those guys yeah. and it was just by osmosis they said look you have to get on stage if you're going to be here and it was more like a dare yeah so you know i just started uh, for fun yeah doing spots and at that, the improv no, I I chose uh, the Laugh Factory because it was a black hole. Nobody. I remember that it was like a hallway. Yes, it was. Nobody it was would go in next there. to that old Chinese restaurant that mm -hmm. closed. It was like I remember that because I was at the doorman at the comedy store in the mid '80s, and you go to the Laugh Factory and it's just like you'd walk in the door and you were in the room. Yes. And in order to go to the bathroom, you had to walk down the right uh, side to that door, and the oh, guy yeah. would be on stage right there. Oh, and yeah. and any time you went there, Paul Mooney was on stage. Well, <laughs> and, exactly. And, and right. Fraser Smith. It was Fraser exactly Smith right. and Paul Mooney. You're exactly right. And Paul Mooney, this is when Paul Mooney was firing. Just sure. Brilliant. Yeah. I just felt like I could work out at the Laugh Factory. Yeah. I always hated the comedy store. I was always intimidated. Hated the improv. Yeah. Too much pressure. Uh, it was too much. Yeah. yeah. It was too much. And um, so that's where I started. Yeah. And from there, I, I remember standing in line. I'd done the pilot yeah. to In Living Color. So you could only do it once a month. So the next month in living color had come on and I'd done like do what once a month, like the open mic, whatever their policy was at that time. You, oh, you had to like, follow the policy. Yeah. Because I wasn't anybody. <laughs> right, right. I was just and the there. policy, the left factory, like Jamie Masada, who was working the register. Yes. And the door. Yeah, Nobody. No, 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 yeah, no. When you walked in, you just as mean Israeli dude. Oh yeah. yeah You'd be like, you were just here last week. No brother. No brother. <laughs> And I'm like, what? what are you kidding like, me? There's like 40 seats in the place. Oh, yeah. But I remember the Wayans, all yeah. those guys, when I would do spots, they would, yeah. I have it on tape. Yeah. Do it again. You're, premi you're too long with the premise, man. Come on. They would like, tell me this. While you were on stage? While I'm trying to do these bits. 
And my bits were one act plays. Yeah, because okay, sure. that's where I came. Yeah. As the gentleman entered the bar, he's like, shut up. <laughs> so, at any rate, uh, the deal was I come back a month later yeah. in Living Color was on my three national commercials, and these homeless comedians were like, what the fuck happened? He did one spot, and this guy blew up. And I never, I could never bring myself to say, look, dude, I had a career. Okay? Yeah. I, you know. So that's what they thought. That's interesting because like com- comedians, it's sort of like they their trajectory is what it is. You know, you yes. hammer it out, then you get the break on the Tonight Show, then mm. maybe you get a deal to do a show. Here you're you're at Yale, you're doing Jackie Robinson, you did movies, you did TV shows, you got commercial, you went the whole other way, and then you show up in the comedy land, mm. and they're like, who the fuck is this guy oh. to get this shit? Yeah, the guy's an open micer. Yeah, right. Uh. That's exactly what happened. I remember I did a spot at the comedy store. And they were like, this dude's funny. Yeah. They grabbed Mitzi. Yeah. They said, do you, they brought me to the main room. What did she say? Well, she was back there. And like one of my big jokes was like, Detroit police, yeah. bang, freeze. And she goes, that's Mike Binder's joke. Oh, he's from Detroit. He's from you Detroit. stole it. And I was like, Mike who? <laughs> he's like, you're a thief. But uh-huh. she said, keep working yeah. and uh, come back. You know? You're a thief, but I like you. No, she said, you know, that, that's, that's his joke. But she, she was encouraging, but I, that room was, it was too much. The original room? The little one? Yes. yes. yes it's heavy, uh, dude. It is. It's, it, 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 like, it takes a while to get comfortable there. And if you never get comfortable there, you'll never be comfortable there. Like, yeah, you I can mean, go, let you go in there tonight and feel that shit. I probably could. I mean, I performed there several times, yeah. you know, at, back in that period. And they were, they said, come by any time. That just wasn't my room as yeah. a comic. You know what I mean? Yeah. That just wasn't the place yeah. where I could, Laugh Factory was that place. Uh, right. It's a little, you know? it's a little looser there. You feel like it's a, like you got not, less to lose for some reason. I could just stretch out. Yeah. And you know, back in the day we would do like, I remember we'd get, I'd get in a car, rent a wreck. Yeah. Oh, I'd rent do a wreck. as many spots as I could, four or five spots. Uh, in prepare in preparing for living color ish. No, or just this to do was it? just because once I got into all right, you, it, you got to prove yourself. Right, it was yeah. just obsessive, and I would record every set. And yeah, and they all sound the same. Yeah, one people I would kill one audience. Yeah. The next, same energy, same. Yeah. It was just crickets. Yeah, and finally I just stopped recording myself because it taught me nothing. It yeah, I, just... I, I record and then I don't listen. That's my game. Well, I would be like, <laughs> I have guys, have you ever eaten popcorn? And you know, the, on cheese doodles, the dust gets on your fingers. Yeah. I'm like, you suck. Yeah. You know? yeah. And like the next, they're like screaming, hollering. And I'm like, why? I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you, you can't figure out the magic. No. So then how did the show come to be? Um, was it, it was on the air before you started on no, it? No, no. We done... Uh, you were I'm there at the beginning, you, right? Yeah, yeah we yeah. done I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. And, you know, when Eddie Murphy first popped... Wait, is that I'm Gonna Get You Sucker? Is that Robert's or the Wayans movie? It is was it, supposed to be both of them. What but, was Robert's first movie called? Uh, the one with the credit? Hollywood Shuffle. Oh, okay, that's it. Okay, okay. Got yeah, it. Hollywood yeah, yeah, Shuffle. Yeah. So I'd come out to do a pilot. I did this show for the Charles Brothers, NBC. Um, it was called All Is Forgiven. Yeah. Like in 86 or something. Right. First television show. Uh, anyway, in Living Color, everyone talked about doing, we should do, someone should do a black SNL. Yeah. They should do a black Saturday Night Live. Right. Eddie Murphy talked about doing it, never came to fruition. So Keenan just took up the mantle. He is the first one to actually do it. Like, he got this opportunity, and he said, we're going to do this sketch show. Yeah. And he called me up, and he said, I want people to know how funny you are. 
You know, yeah. because he'd seen me yeah. from the very and right. hanging out with those guys. Robert at that time was my best friend. We hung out with the, each other all night. How's he doing night. now? I don't talk to him. Mm. But the point is, <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen him in a, a long time. Seen him either. I don't know where he is, but yeah. I know he and Keenan are still oh, good. tight. But so that was what it was. He said, uh, "I think you should do this," and it was in a year where I must have auditioned for thirty pilots. Uh-huh. And after years of trying to control the narrative, meaning, yeah. you know, Stephen Boschko is doing a singing amazement. Yeah. <laughs> I can guarantee you, David, much like the Deaf Theater's production of Othello, yeah. this is going to kill. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. You know, I just did In Living Color for fun because yeah. my friends were in it. Yeah. They, weren't, they didn't pay us any money that yeah. first year. My agents did not want me to do it. Yeah. So I turned it down. Yeah. And Kim Wayans called me. I moved back to New York in my old apartment, and she called me, and she talked me down. She said, you've got to come back out. You have to do this show. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. And I listened to her. That's why. And it did. It absolutely did. There's a lot of episodes, dude. A lot of characters. A lot of... And you're everybody looked like they were having so much fucking fun, and wow. there's some weird shit going on. Well, I remember... We had this long table, yeah. So we'd come in in the morning and we'd have breakfast, and we we're comics. We were young. We didn't give a shit, mm -hmm. and it was all about making each other laugh. So yeah. that was where I saw Fire Marshal Bill. That's where half the characters came there. And yeah. if you made each other laugh, like by the second or third day, you'd be like, "Mark, you got to do that. Guy. You yeah. got to do the radio guy. You yeah, have yeah. to do it." Yeah. And you're like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. that's how it happened. It was very organic. There was no. I think I know what our audience, 15 right. to 20, no. You didn't have any executive heat on you? No, and and it's to Keenan's credit that yeah. we were protected. Uh, we never felt that pressure. He just said, do whatever you want. And then, you know, it was like, you know, you can't do the talking butthole or whatever. Yeah. They would just say, you know, within parameters, and we just go and do it. I mean, any encourages. He said, don't wait for the writers. Yeah, You yeah. guys have to write for yourself. And yeah. like, <laughs> Is he serious? You know, but it was, and then you—I awesome. guess you—you you probably made a, built alliances with certain cast members that you worked better with, like well, you and Damon did a lot. Yeah, but you know, Damon. Um, I remember he came to the dressing room early on. He said, "Look, man." Because uh, he was a writer also, and yeah. he wrote with me, he wrote Calhoun Tubbs. He said, look, you need a character, David. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, doing announcing and, and bit parts in other people's uh, sketches is working out. He's like, no, you have to have a signature character. Yeah. So I told him about this guitar guy. Yeah. Like I told you, I loved playing guitar. Yeah. And we wrote it right in the dressing room. He says, cool, put this on. That was Calhoun Tubbs. <laughs> yeah. And that's what started, you know, started it rolling. And right. Because I, I never wanted to be... That's not my nature. I never wanted to be on an SNL thing because basically you're crabs in a barrel. Yeah. You know, I've hosted it twice. And if you don't get, there's so much pressure. If you don't get on as a writer, they're going to fucking fire me. Yeah. I need you. You know, when you come in as a guest host, there's a guy in the back office. He's like, please do this avocado sketch, man. <laughs> I got kids. Yeah, man, it is a death sentence. And you're like, yo, man, that shit's not funny. I'm sorry, yeah. I can't. And he's like, oh. Okay. Yeah, so I didn't want to be in that situation. But In Living right. Color wasn't that. Right. There was competition. Sure, but it was healthy. Exactly. Uh, he's he made it, He made everyone made each other better. Theoretically. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, yes. if you didn't have the heat and the pressure from the outside. Oh, it was brutal, too. It was brutal. I mean, because we would laugh. Yeah. We, nothing made us happier yeah. than when someone sketch bombed. Of Jim course, that's, that's the comics laugh. Oh, of course, the, the laugh, you, the, the singular laugh at the back of the room. It's like ah, 
Well, the way is, no one has a more obnoxious laugh than them. If you've oh, ever yeah. been, <laughs> I'm like, no one laughs like that. It was just an acknowledgement. It was punctuating your failure. Yes. It was doing. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. know that one. Yeah. So Jim did. It was called the. What was it called? The diplomat or something? And he played. You know, this overwrought French diplomat with this big mustache. Yeah. And I, you know, me and Tommy, we're, we're in the sketch. We get killed, and we're yeah. behind the furniture, and we can feel driplets of sweat hitting us. I mean, yeah. we look up. Jim's just like fucking sweating the audience is like what the fuck is this and we were crying we were crying i mean our bodies are like like i am the diplomat you know nothing nothing but cricket we fucking loved it it's oh the, yeah it's the oh, best yeah. you don't see enough of that anymore no. the camaraderie of enjoying the failure yes. when you die yeah. Oh, yeah yeah it's uh, it's become i don't know what happened to that but back in the day in comedy clubs you'd see people losing their shit yeah you know, on stage well i'll tell you what happened is the dude from seinfeld man i mean you record that yeah you know, I guess that well that's true that's true but like there's still like it's weird like yeah if you're at a certain celebrity status where mm-hmm. people know that this is going to be something like you know I'm still under the radar and you know there's plenty of us who are still under the radar where there's not like oh I'm going to get him he shouldn't be saying that right. you know it, but you're right it, there is a, a, a constant uh, sort it's of pred- predatory surveillance a predatory gotcha. tabloid surveillance yeah like when Trace, Tracy Morgan Ugh got you know all the controversy about his yeah, jokes yeah. And, and the homophobic stuff i was like have you heard the rest of his act <laughs> I mean, they're like, and then finally i think someone reviewed it on the time to- in the times yeah. you know when he came back they're like yes this was offensive so was everything <laughs> yeah so, exactly like, yeah that's what he does yeah and, but and- also comedy clubs it used to be like yeah, i remember when chris rock, yeah chris rock was trying new jokes Adding like uh, at the comedy cellar, and he got reviewed in the Times. It's like fuck that. Yeah, come on, man. It's right. That, that used to be our place. That's a, back when I, you know, when I first got back to L.A., no one was going to the comedy store. It was this dark hole. Yeah. And you're and part of me was sort of like, good. Now right. I can just go get some shit done. You right. know, take some chances. But now I like, loved your bit about fucking and eating the baby. That was brilliant. <laughs> well, who shut you down? <laughs> yeah. Why aren't you doing that anymore? <laughs> <Yeah. Well, laughs> This is a comic moment. Yeah, yeah. I was at the uh, Montreal, and I run into Kevin Hart. You know, it's 2010. This is before Kevin Hart became big. Became the king of the universe? Exactly. He said, man, what's going on, Dave? I was like, man, I'm going through a divorce. Divorce. He said, man, sit down. Everybody's going through a divorce. He said, how you doing? I said, I'm good now. I don't want my ex-wife to die, but I do want her to get cancer of the pussy. (laughs) And he fell out. He was like, you have got to talk about that on stage. I'm like, what are you, nuts? I have a daughter. (laughs) She's going to fucking sue me. What do you No, I can't talk about that on stage. You know? And he didn't do it? No, I can't. I can't. I can't look my daughter in the Why did you talk about mommy's vagina? Daddy was angry. It was a joke. It was yeah, a joke. Was, you got to learn sometimes jokes yeah, don't they just look at it. you like, "What? How old is she?" She's 9. Oh, okay. And still though, I remember I showed her something that was really funny to yeah, me. Yeah, she just yeah. looked at it like, like what are you, why? nuts? Just, they take it literally. Yeah, yeah. She just doesn't get it. Right. You know, she's she not will. supposed to. She will. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. But you know, like I performed a few months ago in San Francisco and the, the local comics, yeah. always some of the best, intelligent, most insightful comics. You know, yeah. These guys, I didn't know them, but it, it they were so paranoid that every joke was an explanation of why it's not racist you know i got on the bus and there are two black guys but i mean good looking and and, and yeah. they can do anything seriously 
I'm, I'm no 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 wait 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 no yeah and it was like dude just tell the joke <laughs> they were like you don't know what it's like I'm like I guess not <laughs> call me old school <laughs> yeah it, it's different it's just different but the thing that fascinated me and and it was that you know you you always work you do everything that an actor does but also a comic actor you have a lot of range and it's beautiful and you're working with uh, Gerard now and he's like yes. he's great. And that character is like, yeah. you, 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 it's a rare fucking thing. And congratulations, not only to have such a a, 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 a kind of nonstop career, but then to age into a role that you can own at your age. What a fucking gift. You know, uh, I met Gerard in Montreal. Yeah. And uh, I he's know. shiny. Yes. He's, he's very, very shiny. shiny. Very, he doesn't sweat. He's just. Glossy. Yeah, I don't know if he's human. I don't. <laughs> well, he's a different kind of Negro. Yes, he is. Different kind of Negro. Yeah. Anyway, my, my but my thing is, I want to be funny today. Yeah. I want to be funny right now, and I still love it. Yeah. I mean, I still love the performing. Feels good, right? Oh, fuck yeah! If I he, didn't know people would want to hear from me now, it's, and most of them don't. That's not true. But they just don't know that they do. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's it. I mean, I want to be the older actor that I wanted to work with when I was younger. You know what I mean? Not the dude who comes in like, listen, kid, you're, you're going to suck cock if you want to make That's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Like, really? Yeah. No, I want to be that yeah, guy. And you can start now. <laughs> exactly. I want to be that guy. There were some older actors who still had life and yeah. belief and believed in the art and the craft. That's what I want to be. But, but but I also think the fact that like you can't stop yourself from getting on a mic or getting on a stage or taking a gig. Like, you know, you did a lot of work with Corolla. You went through mm -hmm. a lot of pain and trouble with divorces in a very candid format. Mm. And and ultimately what happens is, as some guy who is a too much information guy, is people get to know you too well. And, you know, and, and that's not a bad thing because you help a lot of people when you do that but i think that you know the idea that people don't want to hear from you is the only thing that they know you pretty fucking well i didn't count on that i didn't count i know on but that, like you know, know you're gonna get on radio and you're gonna do if you're gonna do love line and corolla they're gonna they're gonna we got a live one here he's well, he's, he's broken lot, and he's a lot wide open <laughs> but you know what man i remember i was in a, i was in dean and deluca yeah a couple things. First of all, down on uh, on uh, back when it was, uh, it's still D there. West Broadway, Prince. yeah, West Broadway, or whatever. Wait, I got to go back when in Living Color was canceled. Yeah, I really thought at that time, okay, I have about eighteen months where I can headline clubs yeah. and, and venues. Then that's going to go away, and then I just have to, you know, go on with my career because there was no internet, no YouTube, right. no none of that. I couldn't picture this the yeah. technological ability to put, press a button and and collect all the favorite sketches sure. you had so i didn't see the longevity of the show was not part of your job description no to foresee so, so technology that's what i mean yeah. i didn't i didn't think yeah. it would be like this but you had it you knew how you from seeing other people do it you knew you had a window if you played yes, it right which i right. did but yeah. i didn't think at this point people would still be talking about in living color i just didn't see it jim carrey saw it yeah because he said from the beginning, he said, what we're doing is history. And he was like, what are you, nuts? Yeah, it's TV. Yeah, what do you exactly. mean history? Yeah, this, this is not history. He saw that. I mean, yeah. I didn't see that. Uh, so here but, we are. But no, but, but but the beautiful thing is, is you're doing this character. You do, you know, out, after everything you put out in the world, you've got this great character on a great uh, sitcom with a creative guys. And then you do, and now you got this gig. I don't know what this game show is, but I think at the end here we should pay some lip service to it because ostensibly is a money maker. Let me tell you something. No, I know, but I like I was going to tell you the premise, though. Oh. I like the premise. It is. It's uh, basically you just uh, it. 
relies on your prejudices. Right. I, I think it's an interesting idea because I'm in here every fucking day with guys like you and whoever, like, you know, celebrities. And I think I know something. Right. And I'm always fucking wrong. And it's sort of fascinating to me how we judge people. Yeah. Does it, does, does the, does the show pay any, uh, does it do any service to that? I mean, is there something yeah. socially relevant about the show or is no. it just it's okay. for fun? It's for fun. No, we don't sit there. There's no PBS moment. Your dad's not there going, I understand. <laughs> oh, wow. I'll put it like this. My dad was still alive when I did Dancing with, you know, Dancing yeah. with the Stars. And so I got eliminated. My father yeah. he wrote me uh, an email and he said, uh, shall I mobilize the troops? Is it because <laughs> you're just too good looking and you have a Yale education that these bastards are jealous of you? It's like, no, not really, Dad. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, it was, but it was very sweet. In yeah. these moments, I was like, "My dad loves me." Yeah, you know, yeah in a twisted, yeah. inappropriate way, but yeah. he loves me. Well, no, it's nice when you can see through when they get to that yes. point where they get past their competitiveness mm -hmm. and their and their own dumb pride. Yeah, to to you know the when you have a certain type of father, you got to find those moments of weakness right. where you're like, "Oh, he likes me." Well, you have to read way right. between the lines. And by the way, that email was not a joke. Right, he wasn't being funny. This is when you lost. Yes, oh, he yeah. wasn't being funny. He was, I mean, he was he, absolutely. Serious. Yeah, he was coming to your defense. Like, yes, fuck them. Yeah. Clearly, this is another <laughs> another example. Bubble the white man has denied my son. <laughs> you know, and I was like, mm, pipe down, Dan. <laughs> you know. But anyway, oh, well, good. Well, man, I you know it was great talking to you, and it was a lot of fun. I'm big fan of the show. Oh, thank you, uh, Judd Apatow. I've yeah. listened to that interview like three or four times. Yeah, Judd used to hang around in Living Color. He's I'm 19. sure. Yeah, yeah. And he'd like try and give yeah. jokes. To he, sure. He he sat there going like, "I'm going to be the biggest thing in Hollywood comedy." <laughs> <laughs> well, I finally did a Judd Apatow movie. I did the Big Sick. Oh yeah, know? just I talked to. I saw that. You were great. That was great. Well, it's a very small role. Yeah, but but it's an important role. Well, the club I, owner is the important role. The coked up club guy, the coked up club owner or club manager. Oh, he's not the owner. He's the club manager. Right, right. right. Who does dude, stand up. Yeah, who, isn't that in every club? Mm -hmm. Like the dude who mm -hmm. is there that no one thinks is funny. Right. But they yeah, know they need him. He controls everything. Sure. You know, that, that whole system has gotten a little uh, exhausted, you know, because you can sort of circumvent it now. Yeah. The, the one guy in the town that's deciding whether or not you get on stage. Yeah. Uh, but they still exist. Well, that... Anyway, Emily and Gordon. And you know what? They're the biggest fucking criminal. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're the fucking monsters. Well, they've been hacked by Russia. Oh, so. well, everybody has. But Emily Gordon, she was a writer. Yeah, she's great. On the Carmichael show. She told me she was doing a movie. I was like, great, you're a little movie. I'll do it. She's like, okay. So that's how it came about. I didn't know. Did you like the movie when you watched it? Of course. It was it's, awesome, it's, man. You know what's awesome about it is it's like you, you watch it and you're like, there's no way this was made up. You know, and it's so rare to see something translated like that. Like a very unique love story that Dude, it, the darkness is, of it is so real. The only thing they didn't capture is that. Yeah. So Emily is one of the happiest people I've ever met. Yeah. Like so joyous that I stopped her. This is how the conversation started. Why are you so fucking happy? And she goes, because everybody should be because it's an amazing day. And I'm like, no, really, cut the bullshit. Yeah. Why? And she told me the story. Well, you know, I almost died. And I'm like, you're lying. And she goes, No. I wrote a book about it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. And she goes, yeah. And we wrote a script about it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You know? And I was like, knee jerk. Yeah, I'll do it. She goes, really? I said, yeah, I'll do anything. So that's what happened. It's great. Yeah. It's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. You, Congratulations to them. You're a busy man and it's good. I got to go to work. You right do? Now. Where are you no, going? I'm going back home. Yeah? To just chill. Do you live nearby? 
I do not. Now, I have questions. <laughs> yeah. I live in the Hollywood Hills, but what is this neighborhood? Highland Park. Highland Park. You'll get back Park. easy. What you, you, so are you going to go to the 134 or something? Come yeah, around but the back? is it Glendale? No. Oh, you're close. It's sort of between Pasadena and Glendale, Highland Park. This is a hip little pocket yeah. here. Yeah, it's I mean, a nice little uh, a nice little uh, uh, shtetl of hipsters. How long have you been here? I've been here since 2004. Wow. And uh, it was, you know, it's it's a nice little neighborhood. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the neighborhood. I was driving a guy around who was looking to rent a house, mm-hmm. and I saw this house for sale, and I had a little deal money. I'd never bought a house before. I'm like, that one seems good. And when I first moved here, and I was driving to him back and forth in the comedy store, I'm like, where the fuck do I live? <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? Yeah. But now no, it's, it's like, nice, fuck it. Man. Yeah, on. I like it. It's great, man. I'm glad we talked. Absolutely. Funny guy. Definitely paid his dues. Definitely deserves all the work he gets and works a lot. David Allen Greer. It was very nice having him here. You can always go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Seems a lot of people don't check there before they uh, tell me to have a guest on. WTFPod.com slash podcast will get you a search bar where you can search all 800 now, however many episodes. All right? You dig it? I believe I may be talking to Vice President Al Gore next week. That should be exciting and harrowing and uh, scary, but informative. Hopefully infused with a bit of hope. Should we play some guitar? I'm set up. Everything's clean. Some like nice stuff, not too crazy probably something I've done before. Why not? Why not do it? Why not? Why not? Thank you. 